Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Yes, it is a football Friday. Kicking off a weekend here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in early with us. You got your MAGA Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. JM, since about half the National Football League, I think it's 15 teams, uh, had some kind of workout this week, mandatory minicamp, optional minicamp, OTA, call it what you want. Uh, about 15 out of the 32 teams were working this week. One of the 17 was not is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are done with their off-season activities until training camp rolls around next month. Uh, so since the Eagles aren't actually gathering as a group, they're not actually working on anything football-related, we are left talking about word marks. That the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles changed their quote-unquote word mark. And if you didn't understand what word mark meant before yesterday, uh, join the club because I had no idea that's what you called the way that you stylistically put a team's name on a logo. The Eagles decided to change their word mark. Uh, yeah, and they dropped that on us. That's huge. Uh, you and I discussed, I remember when it uh, the story broke that the Eagles would in the future be returning to their Kelly Green and I'm a fan of the Kelly Green, and I was happy for it. And you were kind of nonplussed that you don't watch uniform, you don't care about uniforms, you care about football and not what color or what the team is wearing when they're making these plays on Sundays. I'm guessing you have the same feeling about the oh, Eagles God. with a new word mark. Unbelievable. So many people so upset. By the way, the Dallas Cowboys, we'll get into that. They got fined for being too physical at, at minicamp. The but, polar uh, opposite of the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles, yes. Um, but as far as the word mark goes, yeah. I mean, go win 13 games. You could win a clown nose. Who gives a you-know-what? Uh, I, 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 you know, uh, first of all, it's a merchandise grab. It's always a merchandise grab. I joked about it with the Washington football team when Daniel Snyder was finally forced to changed the name from the Redskins and, and, you know, there's this whole, Oh, we, we need time. We need time. I said right away, no, they're going to double dip from a merchandising standpoint and they're going to wait and do the Washington football team. By the way, 
I thought it should have been Washington Football Club going the soccer route. I think it would have worked better. But nonetheless, from a marketing standpoint, and it worked for them and their little fiefdom for the people that are left because of all the disgraceful things he does that are far more important. You know, you got all these people for two years buying Washington football team gear, and then you go, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to we're gonna rebrand to the commanders because it took them two years to figure out the command that, that's so important to, to whittle that down to make that decision. And, and obviously, when you have an entrenched and no one's going to um, protest Eagles, uh, who knows in the future? To yeah, be so, but, yeah, be yeah, careful, I, be careful yeah, what you I say, know. Johnny Mac. I know. Who knows in the future at this point? Because people will protest anything. Um, but Endangered uh, species, I can see yeah, it. Exactly. Um, for now, though, there's no issue. So you can't change the nickname or anything of that nature. So what do you do? You change the jerseys, the logos. And one of the things I've never understood about the NFL, to be honest, is why didn't they adopt the college method where, you know, Nike University, you know, other people call it Oregon, but I call it Nike University. I mean, they just change their uniforms whenever they want and they show up and they sell more jerseys and then they sh- they change them again. I'm surprised we haven't gotten to that point, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you told me the story last time we were arguing about the Kelly green, you were telling me not arguing, but talking about it. Um, I think you had Ruben on, was it? And, and he, you asked him the yeah, question. Ruben Frank told me on WIP. He said, Jody, for all the games I've covered all the years I've been doing it. I never noted in my own mind. And they wore this uniform after the game. I've never once thought about the uniform that they were wearing. Couldn't tell you five minutes after the game. I'm exactly the same way. Couldn't tell. I can't tell you how many fans tell me, uh, contact me during the week and say, you know what the Eagles are wearing this week. And I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be mean, but I don't give up flying flips. So no, I don't, I don't care. And the minute the game is over, if you ask me what what color jersey were they wearing, I probably aren't going to be able to tell you because I'm I'm literally not paying attention. So I get it from a merchandising standpoint and fans want to buy the new stuff. And that's exactly what they're going for. And they can complain about it and say they want. But you know what? They're going to buy it. So. That's See, that's why uh, they do things like that. Uh, well, well, I think I'm a little bit more in tuned or moved or motivated than you are. That's a rather low bar that I have to get over. As a matter of fact, here's the key for me and the key for the Eagles. If they're making this decision <clears throat> based on Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Jr. Am I more likely to go out and buy any new Eagle stuff? And when I say stuff, that includes T-shirts, hats, can openers, cups, whatever paraphernalia, whatever merchandise you can slap a logo on. Will I be moved or motivated to go out and get a new one with the new word mark that says Eagles in a slightly different design because it's new? Absolutely not. The next time I buy some Eagle merchandise, it'll be because I need some new Eagle merchandise, not because they've changed the look or the design or the word mark or whatever. No, 
it's not a big enough deal for me to go, uh-oh, I need to go out and get myself a new whatever it is that I'm looking to purchase. I'm not going to throw out my old one because, oh, my God, they've got a new. No, it's perfectly fine. If it's still doing what it's supposed to be doing, if it's a bottle opener, it's still opening my uh, beer bottles. I'm going to continue to use it. I'm not going to throw it away. Now, John, as you've already noted, you get correspondence via email or text or tweet or whatever way that people reach out to get John McMullen's information or opinion. Oh, there are people that are. There, there are people that will go out sometime within the next week to get their new Eagles bottle opener because it's got a new word mark on it. And God bless the Eagles. They're going to make more money on it because of it. Not you. Not me. We're not going to be moved by it. But I'm also not going to lose my mind. And and uh, our buddy uh, BLG, Brennan Lee Gowton, put up a uh, poll on his site. Do you like it? Uh, 88% don't like it. Uh, other places have commentary there. <laughs> and they're it's all going to buy it, by the way. It's they're a travesty. It. Yeah. It's a disgrace. And really? It's a travesty and a disgrace. Yeah. It's People don't like different change. phrasing yeah. of the same exact thing. They just changed the design around a little bit. Yeah. I'm, you know, and yeah, I think it's more of a subconscious thing you're, you're talking about. Is it going to make you go out and buy something new? But I, I think, you know, it becomes, all right, you know, let's say for a t-shirt argument in your buddy and your apt to buy those things and your buddy has it at the first game and you don't have it you have the old one it's almost like uh, a, a subconscious peer pressure thing you want the new you want you want huh? yeah you want the you want the current um yeah i remember i i think the best logo it's always charles charles barkley because he's you know i always joke that charles could be a stand-up comedian if if uh if he wasn't a basketball player back in the day, but uh, when the Sixers changed their logo back to, you know, if you go back to the Julius Irving sort of traditional look, which is the look that I like, yeah, generally that's how it works. Uh, you grow up on a team and that's what you like. And they changed it to this garish thing. And Barkley said, you know, I think they gave my daughter some crayons and that's what she came up with. Uh, it was awful. It was hideous. Now I saw that this is interesting because long before the Eagles changed their word mark, I saw one of those stupid Twitter things. Uh, who do you remember when you see this classic logo? And it was this ugly Sixers logo that at the time I thought was just the most disgraceful thing in the history of mankind that Charles Barkley on the team was joking about at the time and how ugly it was. And now people look at it and say, oh, there's a little bit of nostalgia there and say, oh, look at that logo. You'll get used to it. Don't worry about it. Wait a week or two. You'll get used to it. It's not that big of a deal. It, and it isn't that even that big a change. Basically, the wings go out. Or the wings go in. That's the change. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, and man, if they ever tried to change this, Eagles is spelled E-A-G-L-E-S. You know how many people would be thrown off if they had to learn a new song with oh, new yeah. spell? Oh, my God. You talk about making a change. 
change the spelling of Eagles and you really could throw the entire Delaware Valley into a tizzy. Uh, no, it's it's it really isn't that big a deal. And some people are yeah, going to fine. make it out to be a big deal. It's fine. And I, I've always said there's certain teams, you know, that have these story traditions and are, are never going to change much. Um, you know, locally, probably the biggest one would be Penn State, uh, which is obviously kind of dull and bland. If you look at it from a uh, current perspective, everybody wants splashy. And as I said, Oregon um, – and they're never going to change because it's Penn State and they built up that tradition and, you know, professional sports, probably in football, it's, you know, you're always going to have the star. Uh, Eagles fans aren't going to like that. But because but that, that is that is probably the most iconic NFL logo, is it not? Oh, yeah, by far, by far. It's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's the, the most... There are certain teams, you know, it's the Yankees in baseball, it's the Celtics in basketball, it's it's the Cowboys in football. Um, probably, I guess, not a hockey guy, but I assume the Canadians in hockey. That uh, Those are the teams. Those are the, when you think those particular sports, those are the first teams that come out of people's mouths. And, and they don't have to change. Um, other teams have to change. I don't think the Eagles have to change, to be honest. But who knows why they do the things they do? Well, I think we both know because they can get, I'll say there's one born every 20 minutes, uh, suckers to buy into the new oh, stuff yeah. just because they can. Um, and, yeah, it is. it does tell you about I, – I think it says more about the, the Cowboys than it does about the Eagles because the Eagles are not alone in – uh, continually changing colors. Oh, uniforms. no. Most uh, they, teams they got do. a lot of company in the NFL. Oh, a yeah. lot of teams do just that. But the Cowboys don't ever have to change because they landed on the one that has become iconic. I'll give One other note, and again, deep X's and O's football related, <laughs> not uh, that I do want to bring up before we bring in our first guest. Um, yesterday, they announced that the World Cup is coming to Philadelphia in 2026 uh 11 different united states cities as the europe as the uh cup comes to basically america north america south america central america all the americans uh they'll have different games in different locations and philadelphia has been selected by, as one of the 11 cities that will, will host a world cup game game games how big a deal is this I know that the Eagles know when they can and can't use the field, even though it's four years down the road, and they're going to be able to do that. How many games do you think are actually going to be in the home of the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, uh, that we need Kevin Kincaid for, because he's the soccer guy. I'm That's not true. Sure oh, he's such a yeah. soccer geek. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to ask Kevin about that. I'm not – and I didn't um, – I assume there's not going to be any – major issues i mean they work out these things years in advance but and the eagles are on board obviously uh it's funny because the eagles kind of run that place i mean you know even though there's there's public money involved you know when you see a concert um the eagles are sort of running it and their pr people are doing all this stuff and same thing will happen with the world cup um 
Oh, is it announced so, immediately on uh, <clears throat> yeah. So they were very well aware of, of the dates and all that kind of thing, but I'm not as well versed on the, on the world cup as, as some other people. And yeah, maybe we'll get Kevin on to, cause he'll know that exactly. He'll have yeah. that locked we, down. We do need Kincaid. Um, again, a better qu- a question, better asked of him than you, but I'm going to ask it to you because you're here with me now. What does playing an international soccer game due to the field at Lincoln Financial Field. Because, you know, they share it with Temple. And some Saturdays, Sundays after Saturdays when Temple's home, there's usually one or two crossovers. And you can tell the difference when they play on it the next day. Is there any? uh... Yeah, there is. They've played a lot of soccer games there already. Uh, International friendlies, as they call them. Uh, They've had a lot of games there over the years. And, and, And CONCAP, which is sort of what, goes up to the World Cup, the North American version. They posted a lot of things. Um, and as you mentioned, Temple football in those concerts, you know, um, they have some – Coldplay was just there. I think Kenny Chesney's coming up. Um, yeah, can tear up the field. That's part of it. And and um, what you got to deal with. I mean, that's kind of baked into it because you have these big stadiums. And, you know – more so the newer ones than as, as and Lincoln financial field is still a very nice stadium, but when you see the new ones pop up like SoFi stadium and they, you know, spent almost $6 billion on it and you see how quickly um, things become outdated. Um, and I, and I say to myself, they got, they're playing eight games. 10 potentially if you're talking preseason then you might go to the playoffs if you win the super bowl like the rams and have a couple more but i mean you got a six billion dollar stadium for a max of 12 13 dates no you got to get the kenny chesney's of the world the cold plays yep. of the world and all that stuff in there so it, it's just something you have to deal with and we will deal with it in 2026 when the World Cup comes to Philly for how many games? I don't know. McMullen doesn't know. Yeah, I guess we'll have to get Kincaid on. Well, maybe our next guest will know. I know he's uh, great at the NFL. I know he's a basketball guy, too. I don't know if he's any kind Steph of Steph Curry, guy. baby. Yes, Steph looked pretty good last night. Congrats to the Warriors. Uh, Jared Dubin from CBSSports.com, NFL writer and NBA fan. We'll stick with football today with Jared. Uh, Jared, he joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Kind of a downtime, so we're looking for insight anywhere we can find it. Oh, we found a good spot today. Uh, I've had him on my CBS Sports Radio show on the weekends. Uh, he is an excellent NFL report of CBSSports.com. Jared Dubin, good enough to give us a couple of minutes of his time today. Jared, you got the Mac and Mac guy, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here. How's your summer going? It's going all right. How about you guys? Uh, it's going well, Jared. Uh, I, I guess I wanted to start. I thought it was an interesting angle you did recently on, on CBS ranking uh, the NFL's top 10 duos. And I, I thought it was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, you know, number one on your list, I'll tell people, was Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, which I think, you know, a lot of people are going to agree with. So you have coach, you have quarterback, which is maybe the most obvious. But then number two was Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey of the Rams, the Super Bowl champions. So you went a different route with it. It's not just coach and quarterback. It could be any duos in the entire NFL. Now, here in Philadelphia, where we're based, the Eagles have been on a lot of top ten lists, a lot of hype for this particular team. None of their duos made your, so your top ten list. And, by the way, I'm not disagreeing with you. But I'm interested to see what your duo would be, what your top duo would be for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think probably AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, right? Like that's the the basis yeah, that's of a good one. Be the best part of their offense. I mean, you can make an argument for going with you know the two tackles or one of the tackles and Jason Kelsey or Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Like there are different ways you could go about it. Uh, I think if they're going to be as good as they want to be this year, though, that that receiver duo has to really take, you know, a big step and be one of the better receiving duos in the league. All right, everybody's got an opinion on the Eagles quarterback, and it will help determine how big a season the Eagles have for sure. We know how important quarterback is in the game in the National Football League. Give us your read on Jalen Hurts. Uh, capable of stepping up and becoming a better quarterback leveled off. He is what he is. Everything else has to work around him. Um, where do you think the future is headed with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? I think he's definitely capable of stepping up. We just have to see him do it, you know, be more consistent as a passer in like the short and intermediate areas. I think he's done well getting the ball down the field 
and obviously making plays outside of structure with his legs and obviously contributing in, you know, the design run game and making the running backs more efficient behind what's been a really good offensive line. But I think we saw last year when they tried to be a pass heavy offense for the first portion of the season, that didn't really work out too well for them. And it wasn't until they centered the offense around more of the run game, not just including Hurts, but also the running backs that their offense really took off. And that's, that's good. You're not going to be the, 2019 Ravens every year efficiency wise though. So you do need to have, you know, an efficient and explosive pass offense. They need to get better in those areas. And obviously that falls for the most part on him. So I want to reverse course a little bit. And you talked about AJ Brown, Devontae Smith on paper, a very good duo. And that hasn't been the case for a number of years at receiver for the Eagles. Um, but I talk about it all the time on this show, Jared. You need a vehicle to get you the football as a receiver. Um, how much can a receiver help a quarterback as opposed to the quarterback helping the receiver? I think it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship, ideally, right? And, you know, I think it also involves the play caller because you got to be able to scheme your guys open, scheme easy throws for your quarterback, and then – on the plays where somebody's not open, you get them the ball anyway, and that guy can, you know, take off, run after catch. I think we've seen A.J. Brown obviously do a great deal of that so far in his career. He's one of the better run-after-catch guys in the league, and I think Devontae Smith showed the ability last year to to get open down the field no matter what the coverage is, and that's going to be, I would imagine, his role within that duo is going to be more of the field-stretching guy, and A.J. Brown will be the guy who's, doing more of, you know, obviously he can get down the field quite well himself, but I would imagine that more of the the underneath and run after catch stuff is going to be him just because body type wise and demeanor wise, it fits him a little bit better. Jad, one of the reasons why I like having guys like yourself on uh, someone who can take a step back from the Philadelphia perspective, look from a national perspective is, Sometimes we just get so ingrained we miss the forest through the trees, like with Nick Sirianni. Hey, playoffs his first year. True, but they were 9-8, and eight and they got their tails kicked by Tampa in the first round of the playoffs. Hey, they were 4-11, and 11, <laughs> and they were 4-12, and 12 and they won eight. Yeah, but you beat a bunch of third-string quarterbacks along the way last year. So, yes, uh, there are the positives and there are negatives, and people usually get to the uh, diametrically opposite ends, depending on whether they're optimists or pessimists. Give us the remove from Philadelphia perspective of Nick Sirianni. What do you think of him one year into his coaching career in the NFL? Well, I think it's really hard to know what to think of a coach after just one year. I think he showed a really good ability to adjust his plan which is not something you see from a lot of coaches. Like a lot of coaches would say my offense isn't working. It's the fault of the players, not me. And I'm not going to change anything, but he changed things, you know, pretty wildly midstream. And that's something that you really like to see from a coach. Um, I think that, you know, Jonathan Gannon's defense, they maybe didn't have necessarily the personnel to do exactly what he wanted to do last year. I think, you know, that was part of why they went out and got, you know, some more, uh, defensive backs this offseason, obviously bringing in James Bradbury, I think will help play the style of defense they wanted to, but showing an ability to adjust is one of the most important things that a coach can do, uh, adjust specifically to his personnel, and he did that, so to me, that's an encouraging sign for the future, you know, 
And I think that that's more important looking forward than necessarily what they did last year, whether it was going nine and eight or making the playoffs or getting their butts kicked in the playoffs. Like the idea that he is willing to cater his offense to what he actually has on his team to me is a good sign for what he'll be. Um, You mentioned play calling uh, a little bit before Jared Um, and Nick, part of that adjustment last year was Nick stepping back from the play calling aspect, uh, giving it over to Shane Steichen. That's going to continue this season. It's interesting to me when a young coach does that. Um, And, and, you know, people in New York, it's, I don't think it's official yet, but the thought is that Brian Dayball is not going to call the plays and Mike Kapka is probably going to call the plays. We'll see how that works out. Um, when you see a young coach who's brought in as a play caller, offensive mind, traditionally, you know, you think about the Sean McVay's of the world, the Kyle Shanahan's who are sort of the top tier younger coaches that everybody wants to copy. And then you see guys saying, ah, I don't have to call plays. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's different for every coach, right? Um, you know, I don't think Sirianni was calling plays in Indianapolis. Frank Reich was calling the plays. So last year was, the change for him was calling the plays, you know? So now going back to not doing it and taking more of the, you know, holistic responsibility over the entire team, maybe that's just more comfortable for him. Obviously Dayball has been calling plays the the last few years in Buffalo. I think he called plays when he was uh, at Alabama back in the day. Um, but if he feels that he'll have more of a handle on his team by having Mike Kafka call the plays, like I would imagine He'll still be obviously heavily involved in the offensive meetings and in crafting the game plan. And, you know, every head coach, no matter what, is on the headset anyway. So, you know, he'll be able to be in communication with Kafka if he says, like, you know, we should do this here. Then maybe Kafka takes that into consideration. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to not be involved in the offense at all. And it's, and I've, it's the same thing I would imagine for Sirianni. It's not like he doesn't have his hands on the offense. It's just somebody else relaying the call to the quarterback. Jad, I got to get you on the record on something that I saw on CBS uh, this week and I thought was uh, fun and debatable. Um, Four top young quarterbacks in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, who only went to the Super Bowl last year. All really good, all really young. Who would you want to be your quarterback for the next four uh, decade or so? My answer would be yes, 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 and yes. Would might have it any of them, but if you had to put them in an order, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, what order would you rank those four guys for the next decade? By the way, if I can't have any of those guys, I'll take Lamar Jackson. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would take Mahomes first. Um, I think we just we've seen the highest level of play out of him and the most consistency out of him. Obviously, he had the few games last year where that entire offense was kind of in a funk. But even in a down year, he was still one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the entire league. And we haven't seen him really be any worse than that for an extended period of time. So, yeah, I'll I'll take that guy. Um, It's really tough after that between Allen and Herbert for me. Um, Allen is just such a terrific overall playmaker. Like, I think if you're just talking about throwing the ball – Accurately and efficiently, Herbert is probably better than that, better than Allen at that. 
but Allen does so much with his legs and is such a great outside of structure playmaker that it makes it a really tough decision. Sorry, there was just something flying in front of my screen right there. And now my dog has decided he wants to join ah. because anytime I'm talking to anyone who's not in the room, he's uh, a little bit confused. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what's the dog's name? We're both dog people, so my His dog's always in. Hi, Bodie. Yeah. Uh, Say hello. Yeah. Making making the birds 365 <laughs> KP of So, yeah, I'd, I'd go Mahomes and then a really tough decision between Allen or Herbert. And it's not a slight, I don't think, to say to Joe Burrow, like, maybe he's not quite as good as those guys. It's like everybody's going to take it as a slight, though. Top five or six quarterback in the league instead of a top two or three quarterback in the league. Like, you know, they're all obviously, like you said, really, really good. Yeah. Everybody takes everything as a slight. If you say somebody's second behind Patrick Mahomes, that's not a slight or or third or fourth. I'm a a Justin Herbert guy after – Patrick Mahomes and I'm sort of blinded by him when I watch him play I said all right that's it I want this guy Um, and you kind of get caught in that sometimes but there's one even younger quarterback who hasn't done much yet that I wanted to talk to you about and that's Trevor Lawrence because boy I mean the skill set and people would talk this is the best quarterback prospect since maybe Andrew Luck maybe Peyton Manning. Some people went all the way back to John Elway. You know, that didn't change in a year, but obviously he was in a very bad situation with a poor organization, a bad head coach. Now Doug Peterson is there. We're very familiar with here in Philadelphia. He won a Super Bowl. Um, where are you on Trevor Lawrence? Uh, are you totally turned off by that rookie season or you still think he's got that enormous upside? I think he's still got the enormous upside. I think that the the numbers paint a worse picture of how he played last year than the tape does. He made, like, you look at his interceptions, I think he had, like, 17 interceptions or something like that, and 12 or 13 of them came when the team was trailing, and a lot of them came when they were trailing big. You know, he got more aggressive when he needed to try to get his team back into the game, and I don't think he had – the personnel around him to be put in position to succeed. And certainly he didn't have the coaching to be put in position to succeed. So I'm still very high on him. Obviously the first year was not encouraging for what you want to see from a rookie quarterback. But I think it's important to remember that most rookie quarterbacks are bad and most of them are really bad. So having a bad season on tape is not necessarily the end of the world. You know, it's not every year that we see somebody do, you know, what, what Herbert did during his rookie season. That's not the typical path for, for even the best quarterbacks. They're usually not really good as rookies. So we want to see him obviously take a big step forward this year and then big steps forward in the future. But I don't think that not playing particularly well as a rookie should completely change your mind. It's not like to me, at least he was looking totally lost out there. He just, you know, put the ball in danger more often than you'd like to see, but I think did so for the reason that he was trying to get his team back in the game and make, you know, Superman style plays as opposed to like, I can't make the reads or I don't know where to go with the ball or things like that. All right, Jared, let me ask you about another very talented AFC quarterback. who we haven't mentioned yet and we've already mentioned a bunch (laughs) and that's the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns or will he be the Deshaun (laughs) Watson story seems to take twists and turns every single week. And, 
before you know it, week one in the National Football League is going to be here. Is Deshaun Watson, uh, when is Roger Goodell going to come up with a punishment? Because it'll be appealed and then they'll have to go through another process. We assume the Browns are going to have to pay a price for uh, giving a $230 million all-guaranteed contract to a guy who has as many legal issues as Deshaun Watson has. Just give us your best guess, uh, case scenario and guess on what the time frame is going to look like for Deshaun Watson in the Browns this season. The thing is, there's really no way to know because the NFL has no consistency on how it handles personal conduct issues from case to case. Goodell, or now I guess the, the independent punisher or whatever you want to call it, yeah, they're not tied to any precedent. They can hand down whatever punishment they want for whatever reason they want. Like that's what's in the CBA. And obviously Goodell, and it's also been ruled that way by the courts, by the way. They can hand down whatever yeah. punishment they want for whatever reason they want. And Goodell now is handling the appeals. And they've shown no consistency from case to case in terms of what the punishment is going to be, when that punishment is going to be handed down, whether or not they'll explain what their punishment is, if there's going to be a report on what they're investigating. Like, there's just absolutely no way to know. So, any get like, I might as well pick out of a hat when I say what my guess is. <laughs> By the <laughs> way, it's so interesting because the new CBA, um, I don't know what the NFLPA is thinking when it comes to personal conduct, but they complained for years that Roger Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner. And as you mentioned, Jared, they set up this new system where there's an independent sort of arbiter or judge, whatever. It's going to be Sue Robinson, I think is her name. Um, but then if, if the NFL doesn't like it or the NFLPA, but more more importantly, the NFL, they can appeal. And, and as you mentioned, it has to go to the appeal. And the appeals officer is Roger Goodell or somebody that Roger Goodell designates. So what really changed? Because they can go through this layer and say, okay, Sue Robinson gives Deshaun Watson 12 games. We don't like that. Let's appeal. And then it goes back in the hands of Roger Goodell. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because of public perception, but I bring this up for the more mundane, I don't want to call them mundane, but guys who are in trouble for other reasons that aren't going to be as high profile, it's still in Roger Goodell's hands. What the heck is the NFLPA thinking with this system? I think there will be an appeal, by the way, by the NFLPA, regardless of optics, because it's, you know, like, Regardless of how it looks, it is the Players Association's job to lobby for every player that's in the yeah, Players Association. Yeah. So I would imagine that, you know, as as gross as it may make some people feel, um, you know, myself included, I would imagine that there will be an appeal no matter what the suspension is that comes down. Um, and that's it's going to be quite the optics, like you guys said. Um you know, as, as far as what the NFLPA is thinking, um, I think that this is viewed as a small step in the direction that they wanted to go from where it was in the last CBA. I wouldn't think that this is the ending point that they want to be at. And, you know, when the next CBA negotiation comes around, they'll try to change it again. And when the next commissioner comes around, they'll try to change it again. Um, but I don't think that they were going to get. Go ahead, bud. 
<laughs> I don't think they were going to get discipline completely out of the commissioner's hands um, after how much control he had over it in the previous CBA. So I don't think it was ever particularly realistic that that was going to happen. So getting him at least to not be the one that was handing the punishment down and hearing the appeal, I think was a small step for them. And they'll, you know, deal with whatever they want to get next, the next time it comes around. I do. I would need your take on another AFC quarterback. We're kind of stuck in an AFC quarterback loop here. And that's a guy you mentioned earlier, an MVP, that would be the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Interesting day yesterday. Continually reported that the Ravens and Lamar had not advanced conversations on him signing an extension in Baltimore. Most people reporting that it's because Lamar doesn't want to be bothered, that he's his own agent. He is not pressed and uh, pushed the Ravens for this. The Ravens at least are leaking information that they're willing to pay him uh, commensurate rate with a guy who's already won an MVP. Yesterday he said, oh, I've talked to the Ravens. Surprise, surprise. And also asked, is there a possibility you could go to a holdout if you don't get a deal done before the season started? And he didn't dismiss it. Uh, kind of a different perspective breaking out of Ravens camp yesterday. How much is this going to affect the Ravens? Are they looking at a potential holdout? Because if it does, it could derail their entire season. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, he didn't have to go to uh, to OTAs because that didn't affect his money. If he misses minicamp, training camp, anything like that, he's not getting paid. Um, and I think that that's changed things over the past couple of years. And I think especially for your quarterback, not having him in training camp, obviously, is a huge problem. I just don't think there's necessarily any urgency to get a deal done you know, right now because you look at quarterback contracts, they're only going up. And, you know, you look at the history of quarterbacks that don't get the deal done when they want it to happen, but they're good enough that their team wants to keep them. They get a whole lot of money. Look what happened to Kirk Cousins. Look what happened to Dak Prescott. Like, barring a, you know, career-ending injury, Lamar Jackson is going to get paid on an enormous contract at some point within the next few years. Even if he suffers a season-ending injury, like look at Dak, he you know messed up his ankle and still got all that money right after. And you know now that that contract is a bargain for the Cowboys. Now he's like the seventh highest-paid quarterback in the league at this point. Now, <laughs> like salaries are going to keep going up. Bodie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, salaries are going to keep going up. He's going to get paid. If the later he signs, the more money he's going to get. I would imagine you know, barring, like I said, a career-ending injury. So, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's urgency for him to get it done immediately. Obviously, it's better to lock in that guaranteed money for the future. But if he can say, you know, we'll give you, you know, a shorter deal, fully guaranteed, you could hit create free agency again before you turn 30 or something along those lines, maybe that's something that gets him to do it uh, right away. But I don't necessarily think that he needs to have it before this season starts because the money will be there no matter what for me. Uh, Jared Dubin, follow him on Twitter at jadubin 5 You can read his NFL work at cbssports.com if you want to read his NBA work. A lot of that at 538.com. You can read about Steph Curry, who is officially, I think we could stamp an all-time great. He should have been there, but obviously kind of sealed and validated that more last night. 
since we're talking about AFC quarterbacks, I guess I'll end it there. But I'm also going to bring in an NFC team. We already talked about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun's going to get suspended. Might be six games, 12 games. Might be a full year. Who knows? Baker Mayfield. Uh, if, if you're the Cleveland Browns, Jared, you just say, all right, we'll just keep Baker just in, you know, while we're waiting for Deshaun Watson. Conversely, in Carolina, Matt Rule is coaching for his job, so to speak. And, you know, he's paying all this lip service that we have to get Sam Darnold ready. Um, they were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, maybe harder than anybody else. They were in day one. They never left. They were trying to get Deshaun Watson. They know they need an upgrade. Baker Mayfield's an upgrade over over Sam uh, Sam Darnold. What do you think is going to happen with Baker Mayfield? <laughs> I mean, I would imagine he'll get traded at some point. I can't see the Browns just straight up cutting him. Like, half, like that, that money is going to be on their books if they cut him. It's guaranteed. Um, they might as well say, you know, we'll give some team a fourth-round pick so we can only take half the money on our books instead. Something along those lines, like, There's no reason to just cut him, and he is worth at least something. I think the teams are angry with the Browns over the the way that Watson's contract was structured and aren't going to be looking to do them any favors. And obviously, Baker has, you know, a significant salary. That isn't something – and he's not, I don't think, good enough that you can say, you know, we're going to give you a a second-round pick and we're going to take all the money. Like, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think maybe if you get a late-round pick and the team will take all the money – or maybe you can pay them with a pick and they'll take most of the money or something along those lines. But I don't think that they can really keep him on the team this year. I think that's a recipe for internal disaster. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think he can go back into that locker room. And oh, by the way, McMahon, Matt Corral could be starting quarterback for those Ooh. Carolina Panthers yeah. before yeah. the year is out. Well, you know, good luck, uh, Matt Roll, on um, that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes rookies step in and play well. Then again, you know, we saw what happened in Jacksonville last year, <laughs> so it is a little difficult. But um, want to get your take on the NFC East, Jared. A lot of people here in Philadelphia believe the Eagles have pulled even with the Cowboys. Some think they've actually stuck their nose in front and ahead of the Cowboys in the division. But almost everybody believes it's Eagles and Cowboys, and then it's Commanders and Giants. How big is the separation between the top two teams and the bottom two teams in the NFC East? I think it's real, but not necessarily huge. Um, I think we saw last year that those were pretty clearly the best two teams in the division, and I don't think that much of what's happened this offseason has – changed that i think that maybe the you know the giants with their two top 10 draft picks you know should take a step forward and getting better coaching certainly on offense than they had the last <laughs> couple of years you would imagine that uh that their offense will get quite a bit better um i don't think washington i don't think carson wentz is the answer um you know we've seen the last couple of years exactly why that's the case you guys are very familiar in philadelphia why that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, I, I think that Dallas and Philly are the two best teams, you know, and which one you think is better, I think depends on the way that you view 
football to me. Um, if you're thinking like, you know, the, the Eagles have the better offensive line at this point, they have the better defensive line at this point. They probably have, you know, a deeper roster at this point because the Cowboys tend to be pretty top heavy. Then you're probably going to lean towards Philly. And if you're one of the people who think, I'll take the team with the better quarterback or the better offense, then you're going to think it's Dallas. I tend to be in the latter camp for the most part. Like last year when we did our division predictions at CBS, everybody had Washington winning the NFC East and I had the Cowboys because they had the best quarterback in the division. And um, that obviously worked out pretty well for me. It's one of the few things I've been right about over the years. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take my, uh, my plaudits for it. And um, you know, I, I think that certainly, you know, Dak Prescott has shown more, during his career than, than Jalen Hurts has. That some of that is because he's been in the league for longer. Um, I think that, you know, we saw at the beginning of last year when it seemed like he was pretty healthy, he was back playing at an extremely high level. And then when he got that calf injury against the Patriots over the rest of the year, he wasn't running and he wasn't really even throwing on the run. He had to come to a full stop before, you know, he would throw from outside the pocket and he wasn't getting rid of the ball quick enough with that offensive line. I think that the injury affected him over the second half of the year. You know, he's now able to go through a full offseason this year. He's not rehabbing from anything. He's been full go since the start of minicamp, and I think that that'll do, you know, really well for the Cowboys offense, which, because of the personnel changes they've had, needs him to play better than he did in that second half of the season. You know, they don't have Lyle Collins anymore. You know, they don't have Amari Cooper anymore. They're not going to have Michael Gallup, I would imagine, for at least some of the season. So, he needs to be more consistent like he was, you know, in the first half of last season as opposed to what he, we saw after that calf injury. All right. Uh, that lends me to one last question. If you believe he with the best quarterback wins, how would you rank the AFC South going into this year? AFC South. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's the Titans and Colts at the top of the division again, just because that's the way it's been over the last few years. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, has the potential to be the best quarterback in the division. We obviously haven't seen that yet. Um, it's a tough call for me between Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ryan took, I thought, a pretty significant step back last year, but I don't know how much of that was the infrastructure around him in terms of their offensive line and really having no playmakers other than Kyle Pitts. You know, he's certainly going to have a better offensive line this season, maybe not necessarily a left tackle where he's going from Jake Matthews to, I think, Uh, your old friend, Matt Pryor, but the rest of the offensive line is, you know, a lot better. And he's got Michael Pittman there and they drafted Alec Pierce. and He's got Jonathan Taylor. Like he's going to be in better position to succeed this year than he was last year. And I think the opposite might be true for Ryan Tannehill. You know, they don't have AJ Brown anymore. Their offensive line is not as good as it was a couple of years ago. Um, And obviously Derrick Henry coming off a significant foot injury. And for a guy that big, I think a foot injury is uh is a big problem you know he seems like this indestructible guy over the last few years it really did look that way like you just couldn't do anything to him no matter what but you know a guy carrying that much weight having a foot injury is a problem there's a lot of stress on that foot when he changes directions a lot of torque given the way that he moves around um so long way of saying i don't really know it's uh, (laughs) that's why i asked the question because i don't know either because there isn't the standout choice in that division, which should make it very competitive this year. Yeah. Jared, uh, now that you've enlightened our listeners, 
lighten the load on Bodie. Get him outside. Yeah. Uh, get him out for a run. By the way, That's Bodie, it. is that uh, uh, what is the Patrick Swayze? Is that related to uh, what? Uh, no, it's uh, it's from The Wire. Okay, there we oh, go. That makes more you. sense Very because good. I thought. You're too young to go all Yeah, the way he's a youngster, McMullen. Yeah. I know the oh, reference yeah. you're making. Yeah. He's younger than both of us. not that young anymore. Like yeah. it either way. Yeah. Jared, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll certainly get you back on again before the season gets underway. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Jared yeah. Dubin covers the entire National Football League. Why can't I think of the name of that movie? Yes. Uh, Point Break. Point Break. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Bodie was in Point Break, but he was also in The Wire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's... Jared's got a couple of years on us. He's a little bit younger, mm -hmm. so he'd lean uh, uh, wire over. Uh, yeah, break. which makes you, sense. Yeah, you and I know both. We've yeah. been around for a while. All right, uh, we'll stick around for a while. Still got play yet to do. You've got John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Oh, we got a good guest coming in hour number two. We'll go more Eagle specific with our buddy Marcus Hayes from the Enquirer and WIP. He'll join us next hour here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look, fake a mom. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
John McBowen, I would be Jody McDonald. That would make this Maga Mac hanging out on Birds 365, a football Friday. Next hour, we'll get uh, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP off board and talk all things <clears throat> with us. Um, J Mac, when is tight end you supposed to take place? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, it's uh, next week. Uh, I don't know the exact dates. I think, uh, what's today's date? Uh, I think it's next Wednesday through Friday. Don't okay, put it... today's 17th. Yeah, I think it's it's next Wednesday. I think it starts. All right. Uh, running the risk of being the angry, cranky old man with the get-off-my-lawn attitude. Uh, I will share with you my thoughts on tight end you, but I want to get yours first. What do you think of uh, some of the best tight ends in the National Football League getting together, working out, uh, sharing uh, beliefs and 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 uh, things that make them good? Uh, what are your thoughts on it other than it's a good photo op and you get to expand your brand when you get things like this, because believe me, when I tell you, there will be many a media outlet down there to cover it. Um, I, I, I think I know where you're going, but I, I don't think there's that much opportunity um, over three days to do that much. I, I do think it's tight end university is not the first, um, you know, really. And I think, what started it all was Von Miller's pass rushing camp. Um, and then came Lane Johnson's uh, offensive line masterminds, tight end university. There's some other ones. Those are probably the most famous ones. Um, and they all came out of, um, you know, partially the off season because you got to work in the off season. Now you're left to your own devices. So, the good players understand they have to figure out ways to get better on their own. So I think from that perspective, it's a really good thing. I do think if you can pick the great brain of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Greg Olson and Dallas Goddard is going to be there. That's a good thing. Um, if you're another tight end, you know, the old school mentality of, you know, why are you commiserating with the enemy? I you know, it's it's oh, a different world. Oh, that's where I'm going. Yeah, it's a different world. It's a different world, and every position does it, not just tight ends. So, I mean, either I'm an old school guy too, Jody, but you either adapt or you get left behind. If, if you're sitting on the couch, I always, you know, and I can't. I think there's a whole cocktail of things that led to Carson Wentz's um, uh, descent as a player. I won't say downfall because he's still a starting quarterback, but um, he's not what he once was. I think we could all agree with that. I And most of it, and I think, you know, it's hard to put percentages on things, but I think most of it is related to injuries. No question about it. Um, and it's not only the knee, but the back and the concussion and everything else. Um, but I, I do think people, you know, 2017, and this is why the Eagles sent um, 
Jalen Hurts to uh, Tom House and Adam Daydew. That's what they did with Carson Wentz coming off his rookie season. And he he was better mechanically that year. And that was it. Stop doing it. Now, part of it was because of injuries and it was always rehabbing. Um, then COVID happened. And I don't know what Carson did during COVID. I think he just stayed home. And all of a sudden, the mechanic. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, started going backwards again, and it's something you need to, especially when it's not natural for you, you need to keep on top of it. I always thought that was an underreported aspect of his descent. And it's a long way of saying you need to figure out ways to be great if you want to be great in the NFL because you can't do it like you used to be able to do it with your own coaches and your own team. So you got to figure out ways. And once Von Miller opened the door, everybody's like, well, we better, you know, the pass rushers are, are, are getting together, figuring out the tricks of the trade. Lane Johnson's like said, we, we better get together and figure out and, and figure out what's going on. And then tight ends did it and so forth and so on. Quarterbacks are always, there's, there's a certain group of trainers, uh, footwork, there's footwork guys. The footwork King is kind of famous, but um, you have to do it. So I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Here's where my problem comes in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's where my problem comes in. Um, you were trying to draw a comparison with Carson Wentz going to quote unquote quarterback coaches to keep his mechanics together. Get about. I got no issue with that. I got no problem with that. Putting the work in, acknowledging that no one's perfect, even coming off a good year, 2017, like they did in the Super Bowl. Carson may have uh, lightened up on putting extra time in to keep his game at a certain level. Going to a individual coach who is charging and you're going to have to pay to get their expertise. Oh, I get that. That that's should happen. That's something that should be ingrained in every single player as a group of guys getting together who are already in the league to share secrets among themselves. That makes no sense to me. Your job, your commitment is to the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're a Dallas guy and you're attending that this week, your commitment is to the Eagles. It's not to any other tight end in the league to show off what has made you one of the top five tight ends. John McMullen's opinion, Jody McDonald's opinion, maybe not everybody's opinion, or you think he's a top five tight end. Um, you don't have to go there and show how you got there to the other tight ends who aren't in the top five just yet. That's not your job. You're supposed to keep that information to yourself in-house, for the betterment of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. Yeah, could he learn a thing or two from Kittle and Kelsey? Yeah, probably. If you're the top banana, and I would make those the top two, it's only downside. You've already achieved your yeah, status. Yeah. You don't have to be sharing the secret sauce. 
with anybody else. No, 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 no. And I get what you said about it's a brave new world, Jody. <coughs> Excuse me. There are different ways that players relate to each other. This is an old school football where you have to hate the opponent. You want to get together with all the other tight ends and have a barbecue and have some cold ones. Yeah, fine. That's okay. I'm not telling you. Oh my, you can't, you have to spit on the opposing tight end anytime you see him. No, that's old school. That's out the window. They all have agents and they're all free agents. So they change teams to whatever the, the 70s mentality, the NFL yeah. no longer exists. No. That I get. But nowhere does it say you must tr- exchange trade secrets of your position with someone who's going to go out there and try and beat your football team in the upcoming year. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's about trade secrets as much as, um, you know, technique and fundamentals. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, you know, if you're like Dallas Goddard isn't Dallas Goddard because he's, um, you know, perfect with technique and fundamentals. In fact, you know, he drops the ball a little bit too much. Uh, he's got to tighten up on that. Um, he's, he's Dallas Goddard because he's six, five, he's two fifty six. He can run like the wind. He's, he's strong enough to block, uh, defensive ends. Um, he can't teach, <laughs> he can't, he can't teach that. Uh, Travis Kelsey can't teach, um, his athleticism to be, you know, perhaps the best pass catching tight end of all time now. I mean, it's a different era, and obviously the numbers are inflated, but numbers-wise, he certainly is. Um, same thing with George Kittle as far as his physicality. It's more about techniques and fundamentals than – in other words, you know, I, I think it was – if Dallas Goddard's opening up Nick Sirianni's playbook and say, hey, this is – you know, that's a problem. Um, I don't think anybody's doing that. It, it's about – it's about getting together and, and trying to stay. And I always remember when Lane started O-line masterminds, he, he said that. He he specifically brought up Von Miller. He said, Well, they're 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 sharing secrets on how they beat us. We better figure out what to do. And it's got it, it's got more to do with that than than sharing. I I can't say everybody's not, you know dumb enough to not share playbooks, but I'm pretty sure um, nobody's sharing proprietary information. I'm not even suggesting that someone would do that. And you're probably right. There's probably one guy that accidentally doesn't even know that he's doing it. And he tips his hand and gives something away. I'm not even suggesting that, but how you prepare for a season, what your drills are, what you're doing during the off season Maybe that truly has lifted your game. Maybe someone taught it to you, a coach who you were playing for at the time, high school, college, wherever else, and you have carried that forward and it's helped to make you a better player in the National Football League. It's something you've been doing as you've developed all through through those years. You're not obligated to share that with anybody else on any other team. Keep that to yourself, young man. That's what made you as good as you are. I, I I think the only difference is the structure. You know, guys are working out all the time at various performance centers, you know, whether it's Exos, you know, there's a bunch of them in Florida, um, you know, from different teams. They go to specific trainers because 
they develop a reputation. I mentioned the footwork king. Uh, he's developed a reputation. He's got players working with him from all over the NFL. Um, they do it on a personal level anyway. So to me, it's just the branding and the structure. The branding's better. They sell some T-shirts. Um, you know, same thing with Lane, with offensive line masterminds. The branding's better. But this stuff's going on anyway. So I I, I don't have as much as a, a problem with it as, you know, I, I always ask coaches because I probably told you this story when Jordan Mailata was developing um, and the AAF was still around, the Alliance of American Football, they were trying to, and it was all bull, you know what, bull bleed, but um, they were trying to say they wanted to be a developmental arm for the NFL and I think it was Damo actually who asked Jeff Stoutland about Jordan Mailata. Would he consider, you know, hey, more reps? He always says reps are like bars of gold, Stoutland says. Uh, you get more reps, and, and he's like, I don't want anybody touching Jordan Mailata. I, I don't want anybody. I, he built this kid up from ground zero, truly. Never played a down of football at any level. Didn't know how to play it. Put on his helmet, I always say. Uh, from from ground up, and he was like, I don't want it, anybody else touching uh, Jordan Mailata, teaching him bad habits that I'm trying to get out of him or whatever. And I always thought to myself, that makes sense. Uh, but then you have this all over the league, and I constantly ask Shane Steichen. I ask Nick Sirianni. I ask everybody. And part of it is there's nothing you can do about it. But clearly the Eagles – steered Jalen Hurts in a specific direction. And it's, you know, they don't do that often. And and it's usually, obviously, quarterback's the most important position. But, you know, there is something to insert name, Devontae Smith or whoever you want to say, you know, who's he working with in the offseason? That could hurt you. It could help you, but it could hurt you as well, especially when it comes to technique and the coaching staff and what Philadelphia wants you to do. But the coaches are kind of like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. So they kind of default to stay in shape. And, you know, if something develops, if a bad habits develops, well, you got to change it back, do the best you can. There's not much you can do, really. John, if you know, please tell me and our listeners. If you don't, I'm going to ask you to speculate here. Jalen Hurts putting in work this offseason with these quarterback gurus out on the West Coast, Tom House and Rod Dado. You said the Eagles probably pushed him in that direction, advised him in that direction. I uh, don't think they could go mandate him in that direction, but uh, they had influence over him. Who do you think's paying their tab? Because they're charging. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Somebody's you know, writing a, a check to somebody. Who do you yeah. think's paying? You know, now that you said that, I've never really thought about it before. Um, you know, maybe I'll look into that because there is some there there now in the case of Tom and Adam, they've been doing it for a long time. So but there is something to if you're sort of one of these personal tutors to be able to say, Hey, I'm working with Jalen hurts or I'm working with um, so-and-so 
that that elevates your um, um, sort of your own personal brand in the NFL world. So there is sort of that give and take, but there are certain guys, and I would put Tom House in that category, who are so entrenched uh, that they're in demand. They get paid. Yeah, I assume they get paid, and I I would assume uh, if the Eagles. Uh, steered them in that direction they were picking up the tap but i don't know that for a fact and it's it's going to be very hard to find out because the eagles won't even admit they sent them there because there's all this sensitivity uh who jalen was working with before and you know when i upset him and everything's about politics jody it's it's ludicrous the only way you're going to find out is on the uh uh house uh end Yeah, and Tom will not, by the way, Tom will not ever tell anyone who he's working with. So it always has to come from the player. Always has to come from the player. Maybe Jalen's agent would be willing to uh, give you an off the record uh, indication as to who got compensated. Oh, he was working with Tom House. So. Understood, very, but the question I'm very, I asked was, I'm very cop. I don't know who's paying Tom. Who's who's paying for it? Because and it's that, more Adam Daydew, by the way. Adam Adam Daydew, who used to pitch for the Dodgers. He's he's the he's sort of taken over. Tom's getting a little bit older, so Adam does more of the heavy lifting these days. No, uh, whichever one it is, somebody worked with Jalen Hurts, and we'll see if it improved his game. At least according to some, like Don McMullen, who got a chance to see him uh, in the two sessions, less than an hour, hour and 45 minutes of yeah. uh, seven on sevens that you got to see. Got about, uh, yeah, an hour and 45 minutes this spring. It, it, it's a new world, Jody. It's a new world. But some people could tell that Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball significantly better, tighter spirals, more zip on it than there was before in an hour and 45 minutes of workouts that did not include anyone coming after him, trying to make his life a living act by pressuring it. But uh, we can tell that what I could tell. I wasn't even there. If I was there for the hour and 45 minutes, I still don't think I could tell anything, but since I wasn't there, I probably shouldn't be. uh, I'll I'll correct you. I'll correct you on one thing. Stationary tackling dummies were bearing down on Jalen Hurts. Very stationary. Down. Thank, thank you very much for that word picture. Stationary tackling dummies coming after the quarterback. Man, it must have had him just staining his pants. Um, I hope he comes back and has a great season. I like the guy. I like him at Alabama. I like the pick when the Eagles made it. And I am a guy who believes that you can improve your accuracy over time. At some point, you just say, no, it is what it is. But with Jalen Hurts having been how many games he start? Four at the tail end of yeah. Twenty. All right. So a and he missed two games last year. So a nineteen game starter in the National Football League. I truly believe there's still room for improvement. I think he can become more accurate, and he's going to need to be this year because for me that was his biggest downfall last year was inaccuracy throwing the football. I absolutely can believe believe that it can happen. Will it happen? I'm not going to judge you off for an hour and 45 minutes of no, uh, no. tackling stable. Well, tackling Josh coming. Allen, Josh Allen proves it can happen. Um, doesn't happen often, but you can improve. I mean, everybody improves. Um, 
there's multiple ways to improve. And one of the ways is just more experience and you become more comfortable in the offense and things slow down for you. And this is, you know, the Eagles and Jalen himself make a big deal out of this will be the first time he's in the same offense for two consecutive years since high school. Um, all that stuff is going to help. And then as we talked about with Jared before, A.J. Brown. And all of a I sudden, think. A.J. Brown's out there with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And you got a good, in theory, on paper, you got a good safety valve in Kenny Gainwell. Uh, plenty of weapons now. Great offensive line. There's no reason you shouldn't expect improvement from Jalen Hurts. The, the bigger question to me is, is it going to be enough improvement? And that's that's the bigger question. And John McMullen, don't forget, the new and improved returning from tight end you, Dallas Goddard, as a <laughs> big part of the Eagles offense this upcoming year because uh, Kittle and Kelsey will be sharing all their secrets on being uh, phenomenal Pro Bowl level. And Greg end. Olson. Don't forget Greg. He's retired. But Greg. Is he going to help him with his broadcast capability? Are going to get Goddard up to speed for yeah, broadcasting? Greg, I think Greg's doing the Super Bowl this year. Uh, uh, he's going to be the number one guy, the number one analyst, I, I believe. Uh, right. I hope he has a great year because yeah. I think the year after Tom Brady will be sitting in his chair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Good for Greg Olson that he'll be st he'll be doing but tight end great... you before, much longer than he'll be doing Super Bowl broadcasts. For great timing, though, because Fox happens to have the Super Bowl the year he's in the, the, the number one chair. That's that's great timing. Yeah, good. Good for him. He's going to be able to tell his grandkids, I call the Super Bowl someday. Uh, but it, By the way, um, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. I want to give myself, and I want to give Patrick credit, and I want to give myself a pat on the back before we get to break. I'm sure you saw this, uh, he said yesterday, that the second half versus the Bengals, worst playoff football I've ever played. Right. I give him oh. credit. I give him credit for that. Um. He was also bad against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, but that was more of his offensive. He lost his offensive tackles. They, they were just uh, they talk were about just being being under duress. Yeah, he was as distressed a quarterback yeah. in the Super Bowl as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, but I give him credit for saying that. I always say people say like I, I'll tell you right now. I just said it with Jared, and we all said it. Best quarterback in the NFL. But that doesn't mean he's perfect. And that's, no, he was, and he was bad in that second yeah. half. I'm not going to blame the Super Bowl against him. I think you said earlier on the show here, he hasn't been getting it done in the playoffs, which is a little bit of an overstatement. He had a bad half. No, I said half. at times in the playoffs. He's had some of the greatest playoff games ever. Right. Uh, 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 at times in the playoffs, he's made very poorly. He's He's played poorly in both Super Bowls except for one quarter, essentially. Um, and then the Cincinnati game, uh, he was a disaster in the second half. Disaster. And I'm glad he said it. That's all. I'm glad he admitted. So now, when freezing cold takes comes to me, I can point to, he said it. Patrick Mahomes said it. Uh, he, he was bad. There's no question about that. He had a chance to win a game against Cincinnati. He didn't do it, plain and simple. But his career stands for what it is. And I call him the best quarterback in football. Well, if, if you have a Super Bowl that you win 
and you play well during a period of it. Yeah, I'm going to forget everything that happened before. You play lousy in the first half, you come back, you win in the second half. Guess what? The first half didn't really happen. Well, uh, people forget you can play completely lousy as Ben Roethlisberger right. plays, and people forget which, about it. Which Mahomes didn't. He won yeah. the game. Yeah, he, he did win He the game. put them in a deficit position up until a point, and then he outdid what he had done earlier. So that's a major W for me. But uh, both John McMullen and Patrick Mahomes agree on Patrick Mahomes playing lousy against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Second half, he was great in the first half, which was so weird. He had a phenomenal first half, and it was the play, the one play, and right he just totally half. lost it. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable. He was phenomenal and then just a disaster. Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer WIP is going to join us next round out the week here on Birds 365. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Friday 
365. Hopefully we can get us all punched up once here in our shot. Uh, you got John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. And uh, joining us, you can see the Uh-oh. top of that. Look at him. Where's He's working Marcus? hard to get Boom. on camera. God bless him. There, there he go. is. There we the go. The ink-stained wretch himself, our buddy Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. All right, Marcus, now we got you in focus. Um, where did you go to? Amazon or directly to PhiladelphiaEagles.com to order your Eagle <laughs> paraphernalia, memorabilia, call it what you want, with their new word. What is it called again? Word, word mark. mark. Word mark. The big shift. The big shift in Yesterday, secondary the, logos. Make yeah, any purchases the, yet, yet uh, yeah. Marcus? No, I, I, we try to keep our, our house free of any sort of paraphernalia. Yeah, good, that for we, you. Uh, good for you, Marcus. That would imply that I have a bias. Like, you know, you know, people talk, people ask all the time. I get so frustrated. Why do they Why do they keep changing the uniform? And why are they going to Kelly Green? And why do they change the what is it called? The word mark. Word yes, mark. Word yeah. Mark. So you so you when you so you buy new stuff. That's exactly. Why does nobody get that? I said yeah. the same. It's all a merchandising grab. I'm surprised. Here's what I'm surprised about, Marcus. I'm surprised the NFL long ago didn't become uh, Oregon. You know, Nike University, they change uniforms whenever they want, whenever they feel like, uh, and uh, people buy them and they say, oh, that's cool and and do it. I'm, I'm surprised, not just the NFL, but more professional sports teams don't open the floodgates completely and say, OK, we're going to wear this on this day and we're going to wear this and just, you know, keep bleeding people dry as <laughs> as. As long as they can. I'm surprised that part of it hasn't happened. Well, you know, that assumes that they'll they'll fall for the trick every time. And, you know, I've talked to marketing people about this for probably 25 years now. Because my contention is if you buy a jersey in 1995, it should still be relevant, relevant in 2022. And it often isn't. So the explanation that I've gotten is that people will fall for it every so often. And, <laughs> and the, and the calculus, the calculus becomes how often can we do it? So yeah. I, I, I reckon yeah. they're doing it as often as they think they can. Exactly. Well, that, I, and to follow up on that, Marcus, uh, about the only thing I can say Daniel Snyder has done right over the past 15, 20 years when he was forced to finally change the name, uh, he he went with Washington football team for two two years. I always maintained he's going to double dip on merchandising. Um, and then he comes up with the commanders and he says, we magically, after this two-year process, it took him to come up with commanders. No, they're trying to double dip in merchandising. That was it. And from a business standpoint, it makes sense. Well, yeah, and it just tells it just informs you, you know, kind of what a horrible scumbag Daniel Snyder is <laughs> that he will fleece his own populace oh, yeah. again, you know, to to make something, you know, it, let's understand what happened with the the transformation from the Redskins. He was pressured into doing it after swearing he would never do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he monetized it twice. <laughs> Now, if he had come up with some sort of like astounding crowdsourced name, 
and you know had a had a competition and you know you paid to submit your thing and it, it, you paid to submit your name and the proceeds went to charity then you ought to take 10 years to do it i don't care but he clearly as you said john double dipped because really the only thing that most nfl owners care about is making as much money and increasing the value of their commodity as much as they can they really don't care about winning that much they uh, not nearly as much as they care about worth and um, and profit. So he is the you know, he cares least about winning of any owner I've ever been around who's not a corporation. You know, the corporate guys really don't care about anything but that stuff, you know, but uh, Snyder is uh, it, it's almost like he's a parody of a, of a, of a pro sports owner. You, you and, couldn't oh, by write, the way, he right? might put a couple write. extra bucks into his own pocket, which isn't going to go well, well Go well with his band of brother fellow owners in the National Football League, and that may be what gets him kicked out of the club. All right, uh, Marcus, do want to ask you about the Eagles on the football field, even though they're not on the football field. <laughs> there are a whole bunch of teams around the National Football League that are on the football field this week. The Eagles scaled back subscribing to the less is more stay healthier, more important than getting actual work and practice in. Are they smarter than everybody else? Or is this a misdirection that they're throwing out there? You know, they point to the, the decrease in soft tissue injuries from 2021 and say, you know, we, we scaled back last off season and look what it, look what it brought us. Well, there were no off season activities in 2020, and they were as injured as ever. So the evidence from 2021 is an outlier. Whereas the they, they've tried it both ways in the past, and they've gotten as hurt as ever. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know who they hired to endorse this theory that less is more. But if I were a physiologist or a doctor or an athletic trainer, I would not want to stake my reputation on, Hey, you know what? The less we practice in June with, or or in May is going to have a direct correlation to how healthy we are in January, because that assumes that nothing is going to happen between May and January. I thought that it was really smart to practice less and more intensely during the season last year and during training camp, but to have fewer sessions and fewer reps with a young quarterback, a remade wide receiver core, and, you know, a guy in JJ Ortega Whiteside, who's changing positions, you know, assuming he plays tight end from wide receiver is, you know, it's insanity. So I just can't wait for them to go to Detroit and lose by a touchdown and say it was the refs. (laughs) um it is interesting because most of the league most coaches and will complain that they don't have enough time right in the offseason Marcus compared to how it used to be and we don't get to spend as much time with the players blah 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 and you have 13 sessions and the Eagles use six of them six not even 50 percent um so they're clearly an outlier um And Nick Sirianni doesn't strike me as the first football coach in the history of the world that 
says, oh, I don't want to practice. So to me, it's pretty evident that this is an organizational decision. And the Eagles talk up Ars Denota, their chief medical officer, and he's a star in the organization's eyes. And But I, I look at it this way. If you put Ars in Kansas City, he might advise the same thing, but Andy Reid's going to say, well, thanks. I, I Okay, we're going to use our 13 sessions. New England, Bill Belichick's going to say thanks, but we're going to do it this way. Nick Sirianni obviously doesn't have that cachet. You think that becomes a problem at some point if they keep sort of that overriding hand on Nick Sirianni moving forward? Yeah, the you know we saw the the issue uh, in Philadelphia. We saw the issue of a general manager having too much say for five years with the Phillies when Matt Klentak, who had no business being a general manager to begin with, would help make out the lineups and predetermined strategies. So yeah, there's, there's no, there's no good, there's no good that can come from taking a coach's ability to coach away. And it translates to a diminishment of power in the locker room. If the players, if the Philadelphia Eagles believe that Howie Roseman is setting their practice schedule they have less respect for Nick Sirianni. And that's a huge problem. That could play out that way. All right, speaking of power and shifting, it came out uh, a couple of weeks ago that Shane Steichen's going to be calling the plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that Shane Steichen called the plays for the Philadelphia Eagles last year in the second half of the season, unbeknownst to most of us. Um, John and I are both okay with this. John likes CEO coaches, guys who keep an eye on both sides of the ball rather than being more heavy handed on one of the two. It doesn't usually happen with a second year coach. And if we're to believe what we're told mid season of a first year coach that you've already given up responsibility of play calling, is this good going forward for the Philadelphia Eagles or bad Marcus? I think it's, I think any coach that any head coach that calls their own plays is clearly understaffed if you can't find a guy to be your offensive coordinator who you trust to be on the same page with you and call plays and you have veto power right you've got the headset on too true but this is not something you should be involved in you've got the officials you've got the clock you've got um the defense you've got specialty you've got a lot of things to be in charge of if you're willing to delegate everything else to to just be the play caller then you're not a head coach so i've always believed that play calling head coaches were flawed in theory and practice. Very, very seldom does it work. And, you know, Andy Reid has relinquished those those uh, responsibilities, you know, for certain situations in the past. So, yeah, I'm very much uh, a proponent of not having the head coach call the plays because there's too much to do on a football sideline. For us, a football game is kind of boring, right? There's these stoppages. Yeah. Those stoppages are when he's working. Right. There are way more stoppages than there are actual plays. So he's working way more often. And then he has to watch the plays. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's always a dumb idea. I've never been a proponent of that. I will say, though, it's interesting that Nick Sirianni admitted very, like, in a very detailed manner, the things he was missing, the reason he relinquished play calling. And, like, the more so, not just the play calling, because a lot of the play call, a lot of the – uh, the mechanics of the play calling happens when the defense is on the field. 
you figure out what you're going to call next and you figure out where you're going to get the ball and you have a, a menu of plays for certain situations and you can't pay attention to what's going on in the game. And he admitted that he said, you know what? I couldn't pay attention to what was going on in the game. I need to be more of a, as John said, a CEO and less of a senior vice president. Yeah, I, you know, it's always interesting because I've talked about this for years, Marcus, and Sean McVay is kind of the guy in the NFL right now as a head coach. Everybody's looking for Sean McVay. Everybody who ever had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay can get an interview. Um, and I was when Sean was obviously very young, still very young, and, and he got the job in Los Angeles, he hired Wade Phillips, which I thought was a great move as a you know, guys coached everywhere and great defensive mind. But he used to literally uh, go sit on the bench with Jared Goff at the time uh, when the defense was on. Wasn't paying attention at all. And I would say this is a glorified, whatever, whatever you want to call it, super offensive coordinator, right? There's one, there's two co-head coaches. Uh, Sean McVay on offense, Wade Phillips on defense, and one is just talks to the media. That's the difference. Um, Why why do you think most owners have been slow to figure this out? Because they tend to go in the, I want the offensive play caller. I want the hot guy. I want Kyle Shanahan. I want the next Sean McVay. I want Kevin O'Connell, who got a job this offseason as Sean McVay's sort of next um, to the throne. Uh, Why do you think so many owners haven't figured that out? Most owners are not very smart. (laughs) Most owners are not very good managers of people. Most owners are intimidated by the football side of football. So if you get a young, hot candidate, and what are there, two, three every year, maybe, maybe really just one, and he says, these are my terms, well, you don't really know what's going on on the sideline. You know, the only guy who has any real semblance of an idea of what it's like to be in and around football, for better or worse, is Jerry Jones, who hires horrible coaches. But um, that said, you're talking about you're talking about 32 decision makers or 31 decision makers who don't know what the job is. So you can tell them anything you want, and you can point to the outliers that do work without qualifying it. So, and what happens, the reason leagues are copycat leagues is because the people making the ultimate decisions aren't innovators, they're copiers. And every once in a while, somebody, you know, we thought Chip, we thought the Chip Kelly model might work. We thought that the NFL was going to turn into Oregon, right? Well, it didn't, but all the owners did. All the owners started running a version of that type yeah. of offense. So they don't really know what they're doing. And that's, that's, not, that's not necessarily limited to football. But you'll find in hockey, the owners aren't, aren't hiring the head coaches. The hockey guys are. You know, in baseball, it used to be the GM would hire the, general, the manager. Now it's like 50-50. But in football, almost always, the owner hires the head coach, which is insane. It's just crazy. You know, why would you, why would you, who, who know essentially no more about football than the three of us sitting here, stake your $5 billion business on a, on a guy you can't accurately evaluate. Mm. 
answer, one word, three letters, ego. But that's yeah. uh, your, your point is well taken, Marcus. All right. Um, something near and dear to the football fans here in Philadelphia. Aggressive defense. A lot of people say Jonathan Gannon wasn't aggressive last year. And in explaining it, say, well, he might not have had the weapons that he needed to be able to run the defense that he wanted. Well, they added defensive weapons during this offseason in Jordan Davis and Hassan Reddick and um, the Kobe Dean and James Bradbury. They really did bring in talent upgrades at key positions for them this offseason. If we define aggressive defense by bringing five men on a rush and playing man-to-man on the outside on pass coverage. And those are the two main things. What else can you do to be a more aggressive defense? Those are the two things. Will we see a more aggressive Eagles defense this year with Jonathan Cannon because he's gotten the weapons that he needs? Well, it's really interesting. And I don't mean to be critical of you guys, and I've been, I was guilty of this for much of the season and the offseason as well. Who made the most important play in the Super Bowl? Brandon Graham. Who didn't play last year? Brandon Graham. Who had their best season in 2020? Uh, 2020 yeah, 2020. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, one of his best seasons. Brandon's but, been good uh, for a long time, but I hear yeah, what you're saying. He went to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. You know? So you, you subtracted arguably – the best defensive player from your defense, I think it was the beginning of the second game, John? Yeah, I think it was week three, but okay. beginning of week three, yeah. So you subtracted the, you know, and probably the most versatile because Brandon does a lot of things and a huge leader in that locker room. So I believe that they were caught sort of with their pants down and they misevaluated Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat was kind of, it was kind of a bust last year. I know he had numbers, good numbers at the end of the year, but he was largely a non-factor. So whoa, whoa, it depends. Hold, 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 hold on. If you're going to call Josh Sweat a bust, what is Derek Barnett? I, I, I cut Derek Barnett before last season. I thought they were crazy <laughs> to give him the money. They gave, um, they gave Josh $40 million. You got to criticize Howie for giving Josh uh, $40 Yeah, but 40 I, I didn't think they should have picked up Barnett's yeah. option. The, yeah. the, he had a fifth-year option for $10 million bucks, I think it was, and I thought that that was a, a bad deal. Yeah. Um, Josh, I could see because he was ascending. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and his brother's really good. <laughs> so, or or that, not his brother. Not his, his brother's his brother. brother. Yeah, Montez, his brother in name. Montez. Yes, right, his brother Montez in name is really good. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe they got confused like I did. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the it depends, Jody, on which five you're bringing. And I think last year they they just misevaluated that position and didn't have the depth that they thought behind, they had behind it. So, you know, and I'm not a big Jonathan Gannon fan. I don't I didn't find him to be particularly innovative. I thought that he misused guys like and I, I know Jannard Avery is not the be all <laughs> and end all, but when he started using him properly, they were more effective. And you know, I'm not so sure how much I trust this secondary as much as I trust the, the front seven or, you know, however they, they six, five, however many they put up there to sort of bring pressure. But the biggest issue for this team was and remains, can they, you know, can they cover tight ends and running backs and slots? And I don't see any big, big improvement there. You know, I, I don't know that they have the linebackers to, or the, or the, uh, 
you know, the, the nickel corner to take away the, the soft underbelly. And that's where they were vulnerable last year. And I think it's where they're going to be vulnerable this year. Mark, as you mentioned, when we we're talking about coaches, you mentioned there's more copiers than innovators. And this league is known as a copycat league. You know, one thing I see from JG is he, he wants to run Vic Bangio's defense. Why did, why did people get away with, you know, whoever it is? Could be Tony Dungy back in the day. Could be put Pete Carroll in the cover three with Seattle and the Legion of Boom. Now it's Big Fangio. 35% of the league is going to run his scheme. Why? Why? Why Why are people not searching for these innovators? Why aren't they? In other words, if you want to run Big Fangio, go find – Go. he's unemployed. He's taking the year off. Go get Big Fangio. Why do we have all these uh, – uh, Xerox machines in the NFL. The types of defenses you just described were organically conceived to match the personnel that was there at the time and that they replaced. Tony Dungy could run Vic Fangio's defense right now because he's Tony Dungy. Vic Fangio could run Tony Dungy's defense right now because he's because he's Vic Fangio. If the personnel made it necessary genius is rare courage is rare so my answer to your question is when you are the type of coach that i believe jonathan gannon is where you you have a a board where you put pegs in there and you'll try to force the pegs the round pegs into the square hole until you get round pegs there's no genius in that. There's, there's really no, there's no organic development. The brilliance of, you know, the guy, I guess we all respect so much from Andy Reid's defenses was that he didn't have a defense. He, he, he used what he had in front of him year to year to year. And you couldn't say that it was a, a blank, blank defense. It was a blank, blank defense. So, you know, the best defend, defensive innovators innovate with what's in front of them. I mean, Brian Dawkins, the, the most remarkable component about Brian Dawkins was he could turn into a nickel corner. And then you, you saw a lot of defensive coordinators trying to emulate that, right? Turn their strong safety into a nickel corner. Well, he was Brian Dawkins. You know, and that was the the difference in those defenses versus other schemes. And Brian could blitz from that slot. So you had, you know, a very, very, you know, camp, there aren't many camp chancellors out there. There aren't many Brian Dawkinses. But when you get them, you create a defense that uses their strengths best. And that's what the best defensive coordinators do. And that's why I like defensive coordinators better than offensive coordinators because to, to follow them and sort of dissect what they do because there is, there's no play. You know what I mean? In an offense, you have to run every, every play has to be run precisely yeah, yeah. without any sort of innovation. Defense is all improvisation. True. It's about reacting. All right, then let me ask you this. 
And I don't want to compare anybody on this Eagle defense to Brian Dawkins. I don't think that would be fair to this current Eagle defense or any of the players on it. But if there is a guy on defense this year that can, despite, sounds like you're not a Gannon fan, despite Gannon's defense being what it is, (laughs) he's going to be so talented and so good and so presumptive to figure stuff out ahead of time and react uh, better than the offense lays it out. Who's that guy on defense for the Eagles this year? Who's going to guy be the guy who overachieves what Janet, Jonathan Gannon's defense needs him to do? Who's going to be the Javon Hargrave this year, you mean? Probably Hassan Reddick. You know, he's going to benefit from Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Sweat to a degree. And he's going to see a lot of opportunities to come disguised because they're listing him as a linebacker. Right. So, you know, he's the guy, he's the guy that's going to, you know, he's going to catch my eye all the time. You know, he's, he could have a Von Miller type year. You know what I mean? Um, especially now that they have two corners who can cover and let's be honest, these guys aren't, you know, you know, anybody's Island. They're very, very good cornerbacks. They can cover. They'll break up passes. They'll make plays. If you, you know, facing some of the quarterbacks they're going to be facing, they might make a lot of plays. But I think Hassan Reddick could hit double-digit sacks. You know, thirteen games in. At Ink Stained Wretch, Marcus Hayes, read him at inquireinquire.com. You can listen to him on WIP. I'll leave it here with you, Marcus, um, because you mentioned Brian Dawkins, and we all saw the versatility of Malcolm Jenkins for years. You mentioned some other great safeties, Cam Chancellor. The one thing the Eagles seem to be missing on paper is a safety. Uh, Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps kind of penciled in. Does that limit the, the, the ceiling of their defense, the fact that it's the one thing it seems that Howie Roseman hasn't addressed as we – speed towards training camp you know it, for a for an organization that has existed during howie's tenure with two you know i think malcolm jenkins is a hall of fame safety with two hall of fame caliber safeties of extremely high character who they had to pay it's astonishing that he has spent so little equity on shoring up that part of that part of the, the the roster. So yeah, it's, it's a real issue, you know, I'm intrigued to see if they aren't interested in converting one or two of their 467 cornerbacks to safety (laughs) during during training camp. I think Zach McPherson, correct me if I'm wrong, John, he kind of, he kind of profiles as a safety to a degree. Um, But yeah, I've been, I've been a little confounded by all the, uh, all the assets spent on the defensive line, especially, and not on, you know, players that actually keep the ball out of the end zone. And it's been kind of chronic, you know, I mean, I was never a big uh, Rodney McLeod fan. Uh, I thought Malcolm was spectacular and and covered a lot, covered up a lot of those sins, but you know, just because you spend money on the position doesn't mean that it's money well spent. And they've really struggled at that spot the last two or three years. 
And it seems to be the, the, the blind, you know, linebacker and safety seem to be his blind spots. And he's a very good general manager. We, we can't argue that. But, yeah, it's, it's a pretty significant concern, especially when you play the better, better quarterbacks who, who can manipulate the safeties. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, is when, you know, they're going to play a bad schedule. They're going to play a lot of bad, bad uh, quarterbacks. And they're going to play a diminished, like, Dallas offense, right? So it won't be as glaring. And maybe that's how he's calculus. You know, maybe I can address it next year because I can get by this year. Because he did address a lot of things. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's a real concern. And I love to watch the safeties before the snap. But the last two years, the safeties haven't been asked to or been able to do a lot before the snap because they're kind of petrified. They're kind of paralyzed. So, you know, with two different defensive coordinators. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And honestly, it probably won't matter until if and when they meet the, reach the playoffs when the quarterbacks that they play will be better – uh, better equipped to manipulate those safeties. My theory is he's down on the Eagles safeties. Mr. Hayes is because they've got a guy named Epsi who's going by Epsi, not Marcus. <laughs> so that he just doesn't <laughs> like Mark- being disrespected. That would be Mark- my guess. Right down Mark- on the safeties. Marcus on Marcus crime. And we <laughs> Marcus, we appreciate when you jump aboard with us, bring your crime to us anytime, my friend. Thank you much. We'll get you on when we get a little closer to the opening of camp. Uh, appreciate it. Have a good weekend, big guy. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Marcus. Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. Marcus on Marcus Crime. Love it. All right. Uh, Mac on Mac Crime coming back. McDonald and McMullen got to put a bow on this show and this week here on Bird 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. got McMullen and McDonald's. What day, Mo, on the show and the week here on Birds 365. Not without thanking our two guests, Jared Dubin, who was on with us, our number one, who did a good job covering not only the Eagles, but the entire National Football League. And thanks to our bud, Marcus Hayes, who just hopped on. I love whenever we have Marcus on, because I guarantee you, after he's over and done with, he'll say something that I blatantly agree with, that I say, damn, he's right about that. And something that I woefully disagree with that I think he's. Yeah, I got that about. too. I got that. What was yours? That, that, not the agreeing part, the disagreeing part. The disagreeing part that the Eagles did nothing to improve on the ability to cover tight ends and guys out of the backfield. I think Maddox is one of the best cover corners, uh, slot corners in the National Football League. And maybe I'm too big a fan, but I think Nicobe Dean is going to step in, grab the job, be able to cover guys out of the backfield. Well, I think Kaiser they did well. I don't think it's one of their weaknesses. Kaiser White as well can cover. Yes. Yeah. Um, mine, though, mine, Jody, Josh Sweat, man. Yeah, Josh he's a little Sweat's harsh a, on Josh. I Josh agree with Sweat's that. Josh a good, good player. I don't think the Eagles made a mistake even a little bit with that extension. I think they got a good deal. I think they got a really cost-effective deal on Joshua. I think he's a good football player. Now, I agree with Marcus that um, people, you know, kind of missed that Prandegram injury, how much that affected the Eagles last year. That's where I'm, him him and I are in lockstep Same there. Um, but Joshua's a good football player. I, I might have to write about that at jacobsports.com there you uh, go. this weekend. Got to get jacobsports.com in there. You can. So you got um, two ideas today. Uh, underrated Josh Sweat and who the hell paid the tab for uh, Jalen Hurts to go out to the West Coast and learn how to play quarterback. Yeah, well, I, we, that, we got two columns written for you yeah. today, McMullen. Oh, believe me. I get ideas all the time from this show, <laughs> Jody. I got to I'm a content machine. Uh, I got to I got to come up with ideas. The show Thanks, helps Marcus. immensely. Now, Thanks, now Tone is saying. Josh Sweat was underwhelming. What the hell is going on here? Okay, well, what they, is going you got on? It, you got a good column coming up this weekend, and uh, when in doubt, crowd. It's all court. about sacks with these people. All about sacks. I'm I'm looking at you, Tone. <laughs> Not you everything's can, about sacks. You can look at me because I put heavy emphasis on sacks too. I think. Uh, he, uh, by the way, he led the he led the Eagles in sacks, tied with Javon Hargrave. But I digress. And uh, you get you can get a pressure that ends in a sixty-five yard touchdown. So that there is no perfect way to judge 
a given play pressure on a quarterback. There is just one. That is the sack. There's there's no downside to a sack, even though I know you're going to yeah, go there down. there is no. There's down no the, downside whatsoever. Down the Chris Long uh, pressure led to an interception. But I always end it with there is no downside to a sack. Yeah. Although, yeah, I always go to the Chris Long Yeah, you do. I'm surprised I had to go there for you. Because... You didn't get you didn't get there quick enough. What would you rather have, the Chris Long play or a run-in-the-middle sack that makes you punt the football? Understood. That's a one-in-every-thousand plays type play, but it actually had a better ending than a sack yeah. would have. Yes, I get that. All right, uh, McMullen, have yourself a good weekend. I'm going to be back here on Monday. Tone's yeah. going to be back here second-guessing you on Monday. Are you going to be back here on Monday? I'm going to be back here. Until then, jacobsports.com. You can see all the interviews, watch all the shows on, on Jacob Media. Not only us, Spurs 365, the Sports Take Guys, Dan Cilio, the National Football Show. And you can read me, jacobsports.com. He'll be there this weekend because McMullen's already working on his next two columns that he figured out during the show today. He'll put them up over the weekend. And then John and I will be back with Birds 365 in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.